0: Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by AMRO Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater talks about developing student leaders in your music program with Dr. Brandon Robinson. This conversation was recorded November 17th, 2020.
1: Dr. Robinson, Brandon, good to see you. How are you tonight, man? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Nick? Man, I'm doing well. It's so good to see you. So, of course, I've known you for some time, but I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. You're really passionate about student leadership, and you've got kind of a background and a history in that. Tell me a little bit about this topic in your life. Sure. So, uh,
2: I grew up in Blyville, Arkansas, and was lucky enough to have some great music educators uh, there. And I got the opportunity to Be a student leader in my high school band. I was a section leader, and then went on and was band council president, and got an opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of work not only with my section but kind of lead the band in a different way as opposed to being drum major. And then as I went to, to college at Arkansas State University, uh, I was able to, um, you know, be section leaders uh, throughout my time there with the wind ensemble. Uh, with the marching band and then was lucky enough to serve as a drum major for four years uh, with the marching band at uh, Arkansas state. So really got an opportunity to experience uh, music from that side of it and from that side of of leadership. So uh, and then at my time at Arkansas state university, we used to do a, uh, a drum major camp, drum major leadership camp that was run by Brady Massey, who used to be the director at Pocahontas and is now Williams Baptist, is my uh, first uh, leadership teacher, mentor. And I learned probably 99% of the things that I do now. Uh, I, I learned from Brady as a lot of the people in the Mid-South uh, have. And, uh, you know, he gave me an opportunity. I worked with him at the Arkansas, uh, at the ASU uh, drum major camp. And then he kind of bowed out of that I took, uh, took that over and uh, kind of ran it from an administrative standpoint as I started teaching. And then once I started teaching, I started to see benefits for including my students in leadership programs. I would have some of them come to my uh, drum major camp and then it kind of branched out from there. I would have guests come in and it it enabled my students to get a lot more out of our program than just the notes and the rhythms. So uh, I'm very passionate about about student leaders and giving um, giving our students an opportunity to gain more than just music in the program.
1: That's fabulous, and and, and no doubt, I mean, you're a product of this. I mean, you got to uh, live the benefits of, and you mentioned just being more than a musician. You know, you you got to realize and feel what it's like to to have to lead some of your. Um, fellow classmates, and the experiences right. that that went along with that, and and so that's that's fabulous. And and so now, of course, you're you're teaching there at uh, Mississippi College for Women. Uh, is that correct? Mississippi University for F- Women. Mississippi University for Women. Thank you so much. I've yep. been there for uh, a couple of years and getting their music ed program ramped up and and trying to take those same lessons and apply it at the at the university level.
2: Absolutely. One of the things that I love about my current job is. I'm able to teach music ed courses and I'm uh, in charge of the music ed program here at the W and I absolutely love it. I've always wanted to train future teachers. I felt like that was uh, something that based on my experiences from teaching junior high to high school to college and I've had a lot of uh, uh, performance experiences as well that I felt like I would be well suited to kind of train our future teachers and getting this opportunity now at the W to, to teach music ed majors is uh, is a blessing and something I really enjoy doing.
1: That's great. That's great. So we're going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about the, the what and the how. how. How do we develop student leaders? What do we do to develop those student leaders? But, but first I want to start with the why, because I feel like when we have a clear why, it makes the what and the how conversations go much, much better. I, I mean, why is it important that we take the time, to develop student leaders, I'm going to use the word intentional, you know, rather than just handing out titles, Hey, you're my drum major. Why is it important that we take some time as educators and leaders of our program to intentionally develop the student leaders in our band or orchestra program?
2: Yeah, I, for me, uh, I think as an educator, not just a music educator, but as an educator, we have a responsibility to our students to get the most out of them. And when they show up in your music class, obviously they're expecting to play their instrument, learn about rhythm, learn about timbre and texture and, and literature and all those things. But I think it's also our responsibility as an educator to prepare them for what's going to happen outside of your classroom. And, you know, music, as we know, you could play music. It's a lifelong you know journey. You know, you can, you can play music in your your community orchestras, your churches, there's, you know, community bands. Uh, We have, uh, we've got faculty members that play in our wind ensemble at the W that uh, one got a a master's degree in performance from uh, the Boston Conservatory. And then we've got a student that has been playing their instrument for two years. So, you know, we've got a wide variety of things, but I think it's important that we provide those opportunities to our students outside of music, um, because, you know, obviously some will go into music, you know, whether it be music therapy or be a teacher or performer, but the majority of our students are going to be doing things outside of music. But the skills that they learn in band or in choir or in orchestra will help mold the kind of person or the kind of uh, manager or the kind of Teacher or lawyer or doctor that they're going to be. And I think we've got a, a, we should have a greater goal in mind, not just to teach the notes and rhythms, but to help get that maximum potential out of each of those students. And sometimes they don't know they have it, they've never been provided that opportunity. And what I've always tried to do, uh, especially at a young age, even in my beginning band class, any of my beginning band students that watch this, they'll know I would have in my beginning band class, I would have a different student responsible for kind of warming up the group occasionally. And we would do it maybe once a week and I'd have them and they'd kind of get up in front of the group and they'd have to pick out a tune to play. You know, I kind of help them along with it, but it provided them the confidence to get in front of the group as a sixth grader. They're having to make decisions on what it is that we're going to do. I wouldn't tell them that. And then they're building that confidence and kind of seeing how that they, they, they have the, the ability to do that. So when they get put into that kind of position, whether it be maybe in speech class or they have to give a paper or maybe later on down the road, when a leadership position in high school opens up, whether it be section leader or drum major or band captain or librarian, or, you know, it could be outside of music, you know, they're preparing. We're, we we try to prepare them at a young age to feel comfortable so when they have that opportunity at an older age that uh, they'll make the most of it.
1: Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. Cause I think you are right. You know, the statistics tell us the sizable majority of people do not go on and continue playing after high school. And as a musician, I know all of that breaks all of our hearts, but it's just the reality. But to your point, they go on to become working members and contributing members of society. And, and, you know, I think back to my own experiences, you know, I, I, uh, I, I was very involved in Boy Scouts growing up, went on to get, get my Eagle Scout. And the reality is, is that I, I can't re- remember how to tie most of those knots that we learned in Boy Scouts. And I shouldn't right. start a fire or any of that stuff. But I remember my time as the senior patrol leader and yep. trying to motivate. And when we were doing these scouting challenges and camping trips. And, and so I, I remember and can recall those lessons that I learned. And this it's the same principles as, as band or Academ- or athletics or really any of these activities. Absolutely, yeah, that, that's great. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the differences between you know uh, maybe a large school and a small school because I know you've taught sure. both and right. you're from Northeast Arkansas where there's this blend of of large schools and small rural communities. Uh, I think sometimes people get it in their mind. Well, I'm at a small school and and the idea of leadership development and that you know we, we've only got 20 kids in our high school band. We we don't need to fool with any of that. Why is it important that we work with leaders and develop leaders, regardless of the size, and what does that look like in the scope of a band program? Sure,
2: well, I've taught in in school districts where we've had a university very close by where we could utilize university students that were were music majors and were gonna be teaching soon to help with sectionals and help with camp, um, to teach private lessons. Uh, I've also taught in school districts where we were not close to a McDonald's, a Wendy's. You know, it's like I barely had cable. So, you know, developing those student leaders and, uh, for example, at a smaller school, you're probably the only director and you may be the only director. You may be doing some elementary music. You may be the the choir director and the band director. (laughs) You may be it. And I think providing the opportunities for your students to lead and to train them to be, to do sectionals and to, to lead their peers can really benefit your program because I, one of my favorite quotes from Ben Franklin is many hands make light work. And there's an old school mentality that, uh, that I've had conversations with with more veteran teachers that one of the biggest problems that they have is giving up some of that hands-on experience. you know that 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 hands on. I've got to have my hand in everything. No, you actually don't. One of the things that I learned from Scott Lang, Scott Lang uh, talked to my band um, on two separate occasions. I had him in, and he's fantastic. and we'll talk a little bit about bringing in guests and things like that. But one of the things that stuck with me that Scott said, and I've used it a lot since then is if it doesn't require a master's degree in music, then I don't do it. And that really made me think, what, you know, what does that mean? Well, straightening, straightening up the band room, getting the chairs and stands organized, uh, cleaning up, picking up trash, organizing the library, handling supplies, Uh, helping with the schedule, helping pass out food on game days, helping organize the uniform closet. Uh, There are so many aspects of a band program that you can get band parents and student leaders to help with where you can be more of a facilitator as opposed to you having to do everything yourself. And especially in a small band program, you may be the only one and you really need that help. Now, go to to the the, the opposite side. I've been in a band program where I was responsible for 500 students. Well, I think having a student leadership program in that kind of situation is equally as important, but maybe a little bit different. Um, We've got a lot more equipment. We've got a lot more uniforms and supplies and a lot more uh, just kind of day-to-day operations. We've got a bigger budget. We've got more staff members. We've got probably uh, uh, folks that are helping us from the the, the local university uh, to, to help us with sectionals and private lessons so there's a lot more to organize and as a director of bands you've got a lot more hats to fill you've got to talk to a lot more parents you've got a lot more administrative so so from an administrative standpoint at a larger school you've got a lot more hats that you've got to wear potentially so it's very important that you utilize the students in your band program to help do the things that you don't have to do yourself. And sometimes that's tough. You know, we I, I think we're kind of control freaks in a in a weird way because of our personalities as a, you know, as a musician and as you know, somebody that 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 teaches and, and administrates. But your students are going to get a lot more out of your program if they have some ownership in it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you just kind of touched on this, but you think about to a certain extent when somebody graduates with a degree in music, how much of their success has been attributed to their individual skills and accomplishments. And to a certain extent, it's a pretty decent amount. It's been their ability to play their instrument and study on their own and perform a senior recital and to do all of those things. Um, And then all of a sudden you switch into a position where your, your, your efficiency, your effectiveness, your, your success has a tremendous amount to do with what other people do. And that's a, <laughs> that's a huge shift going from the college level where, you know, hey, I did my senior recital. It was me to I have to lead all of these people and what we do collectively determines our success. I mean, that's a challenging mindset shift.
2: You know, I, when I fir- my first concert as a, as a teacher, it was the, the holiday concert at East Junior High in Blyville, Arkansas. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember, you know, trying to get them as prepared as possible. You know, we had a very small band. And I remember standing up before I got, I got to the side of the podium, and I remember thinking, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like every bit of my trust – is in what's, you know, what's about to happen with these, with these young people. And, you know, all we can do is give them the best advice that we can make sure we have a great plan for what we want to accomplish during, you know, the time that we have and, you know, try to get the most out of them. But you're right. I mean, I, I know it was, it was a handful of years into my pro into a uh, uh, to my established program, where the leadership felt—and and I think this kind of goes hand in hand with with um, the success of the program—when I felt really comfortable with our leaders. And their development from younger to older and the things that they did and things kind of started working like clockwork, where I just kind of knew things would happen. Like when I would show up after a ball game, I didn't have to tell my drum majors that everything had to be picked up and cleaned and the equipment truck had to be unloaded. They knew this is what has to happen before we leave. So I, you know, what once all of that kind of stuff started happening, everything else kind of got into place. When I would stand on the podium to give a downbeat, I wasn't concerned at all about what was going to happen. I knew it was going to be good. And I don't mean that in an arrogant or a cocky way, but I felt like we were prepared. And part of that preparation process is getting those students to buy into that leadership program and them, you know, really getting the most out of not only themselves,
1: but everybody around them. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And and what we're talking about is not music educator specific. It's it's real right. world specific. But I think you're right. You know, as, as leaders, we have to do the things that only we can do. And so if there's opportunities for us to remove some of that responsibility to bring in help other people whose strengths better align with the responsibilities, then that frees us up to do the things that only we can do. In the case of an educator, it's teaching music. So what are some of those other responsibilities that others can help us out with? So let's talk about some of the, the signs, the positives and the negatives. What are some signs, if you walk into a program, that you can pick up on and say, okay, we either have a vibrant leadership culture in this program. What are some of the signs that we see? And on the reverse side of that coin, what are some of the signs that, uh oh, we have an unhealthy leadership culture or maybe an underestablished or undermotivated leadership culture in this program? What are some of the things that you, as an experienced band director, pick up on?
2: Sure. Um, I would say some positive things would be an organized and clean band room. If I walk into, as as somebody who's recruiting for our university now, when I walk into a band room and I see things in their place, you know, obviously it, th- th- there's day-to-day operations that, you know, things get messier, instruments get pulled out, but th- things are in their proper place and there's not you know music thrown everywhere and it's it that's the sign of good leadership. Uh, I have always believed that if when a student walks into the room it needs to be organized and they need to feel like they can sit down and go if that's why I always felt like I didn't want to wait until Monday morning to unload the equipment truck because that meant when they walked in the room, they were going to be dreading coming in there because they got to unload a bunch of Sousaphones. I wanted them to do that on Friday or Saturday night. So when they walked in the, the band room Monday morning at eight o'clock, we're hitting the ground running and we're working on music. So I, I think an organized workspace is maybe one of the first things that I would notice.
1: Well, I'm, I'm uh, going to debate you. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Real go quick, ahead. Brandon. Sure. Sure. Isn't an organized workspace just a reflection of an organized director? I mean, isn't that isn't that if I'm an organized director, isn't it easy for me to have an organized workspace?
2: Uh, is it easy? I would say no. Uh, is it something that you you probably do? You know, as as somebody and in, in your position is, I, I would say very similar to like a director of bands. You've got a lot of people that are underneath you, right? You've got a lot of people that you are responsible for, a lot of different directions. Same thing with the director of bands; they have. A lot of students, a lot of a lot of hats that they wear, and I know that my, once we established kind of the way things needed to be run with the program, the students understood that it needed to be an organized, uh, organized uh, workspace. Now I will say this: in my professional life, I have one of the most organized places you could find. In my personal life <laughs> sometimes my apartment does not look like that and it's like I just kind of let my proverbial hair down and and let things go. I, I don't know. I you know I think that that our students are a reflection of us and what our expectations are and what we want them to do and what we what we expect them to do. If if we don't expect them to keep a good clean workspace they're not going to they're, they're not going to and 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 it goes beyond that. It's not just about picking up trash it goes to having a good, a good maintenance with your instrument. You know, if you're going to come into a junkie band room, you've probably got an instrument that hadn't been cleaned out and swabbed out and, 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 you know, you know, brushed and, 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 you know, flushed as far as a, you know, your brass instrument is concerned. So, um, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the expectations and what we want.
1: Yeah. So so what you're saying is the the clean band room does not reflect the band director's strengths. What it is actually reflecting is a clarity of expectation to the students.
2: I think so. I think so. And I, you know, I will say my students used to make fun. Actually, what they would do is like on my desk, everything had to be in its place. And like my drum majors would come in and they talked and say, hey, uh, Mr. I'm so I need to blah, blah. And while they would be talking to me, they would move my stapler just slightly. Out of, out of place. And without even realizing, I would answer their question and I'd reach my hand up and I'd straighten the this, this stapler back into place. And and like like this went on for months and they just laughed and finally they told me about it. And I was like, why are y'all doing this to me? But it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. My, one of my current students just said, I did that. Yes, you did, Michelle. You're one of busted. the students I'm talking about. Um, and, and, and she's a college student. She's about to graduate. Your students are going to do that to you too as, uh, as well, Michelle. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's based on expectations of of what we want as a program because, and and it's not just about being anal about that kind of thing. It's what I tried to, to surround myself and mimic my programs after people that I really respected. And one of the best band directors that I know is Steve Warner. Steve had great, and I don't use the word great loosely. Had great band programs at West Memphis, at Hughes West Memphis, and at Jonesboro, and one of the things that I respected most about Steve, is he wanted a well-rounded program. It wasn't a great marching band, a great concert band. You know, you talked about getting the most out of the in- individual side. He did lessons for his all-state players. He did. I mean, the 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 kind of preparation and 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 expectations that he had for his students in his program were top notch. And I tried to to emulate a lot of that, you know, try to put my own kind of style on it. But those are certainly some of the building blocks that I did. And incorporating that student leadership policy is a very important part of that.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and Steve's e- a wonderful guy. E-
2: yes, e- even Man. to the point where my high school students, I would have them mentor my junior high students you know I have them sign up for private lessons and work with them on things I'd have my high school we would do a beginning band blast day where before they got their instruments say we we get a bunch of instruments from you guys from Amro and I keep them in the band room until, Uh, the Saturday after we do the rental meeting, and I bring all the beginners in, and I hire an expert in each of the different instruments, you know, and you probably, you've seen a lot of groups around here do that, Uh, and I would have my high school students, I'd pair them up with one of the teaching experts to kind of help with that process, and that's, you know, (coughs) excuse me, that's helping obviously benefit the program, but it's building their leadership skills too. That's great.
0: That's great.
1: Okay. So I kind of derailed the conversation when I asked you about what no the signs were. So we talked about uh, a, a clean room being a reflection of clear expectations. Yep. What are some of the other signs and the things that you can see both positive and negative reflecting on the f- effectiveness of their leadership development? Um,
2: strengths I see in, in, in programs is one, they do have leadership positions. Okay. So it's, it's not just a drum major. Yes. That is an important leadership position within your marching band, but you don't do marching band in February or March. You know, it's, you know, we, we, we have year round programs and there's a lot more to a leadership program than, than, than having a student, uh, you know, student lead your marching band. So whether it be, and you, you know, I've called it different things depending on, what my program needed. I tried to customize it to what our needs were. Typically, usually it was a librarian, uh, a uniform captain. It was, uh, section leaders or group leaders, you know, where, where each section had someone that was responsible for them on a, on a smaller group basis. And that wasn't just marching band. That's, you know, that's, that's all year round. So, uh, Groups that do have those positions, uh, I think, are the ones that that do succeed, you know, beyond just having the drum major. But I, I, I will encourage you to make sure you go a step further and make sure you have an expectation sheet for each of the responsibilities that the students are going to have. In our student leadership handbook, we would have the position and then we would have, these are the things that we want you to take care of. If this is what you feel would be in your wheelhouse or you would get, you know, you would you would benefit the band most out of and we could get the most out of you, this would be a great position for you. And then on top of that, so you got to let them know what you want them to do. You have to allow them to do it. And by just saying this is a leadership position, you can't step back over them and then do their job. You have to let them do their thing. And they're going to make mistakes they're not going to be perfect just as we as directors aren't going to be perfect, but it's our job to help mentor them and, and give them those experiences to get better and learn and, and build. So I I think um, having those set positions with expectations and let them, let them hone their skills, you know, give, give them that opportunity. Uh, Sometimes I think, uh, I think, an unorganized band room obviously go that go the, the opposite of things if if my drum majors knew when rehearsals start at 8 o'clock the whistle blew at 8 o'clock and we started our warm-up if you weren't ready to go when the whistle blew you're late and then whatever consequence we had that's 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 what happened you have to be consistent if you start at 8.06-ish ah we'll get out there and we'll mosey out and we'll whatever well th- then you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think that's a sign of not only a lack of um, maybe preparation or expectations from the director's standpoint, but, but you also d- aren't really relying and putting uh, things on your, on your students. I would go as far as this. If a student in my program was late, not only did I punish that student, but I punished that student leader because it was the student leader's responsibility to get their group in their section where they needed to be and if it was a ride then that section there needed to make sure they were doing what they needed to do to get that person there or communicate with them and so i made the the section leader responsible as well and that way they knew if they were going to be punished well they're going to you know they're they're going to have a little bit more uh, little more invested encouragement to to,
1: uh, to to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, I, I think you're, I, I remember in college, I was a campus tour guide. And one of the days of training, I was, I was late. It was one of the few times in college I was, I, I tried to be punctual. And in this particular time, I was late. And our, our team got docked points and I was horrified. The yep. social pressure, the fact that I caused my team, I worked my can off the rest of that week to make up those points yep. that I lost. And then some, man, I, I did not like that one bit.
2: When I was in basic training, uh, we had done like our two millionth push up, and and I was up there and I, I couldn't move my arms anymore. So I took my dog tags and I'm laying on the ground and I'm going click, click, just hitting it off the ground with with you know with the, making the sound that I, as if I was still doing the push ups because I couldn't move. And I look up and the drill sergeant caught me. So he made me stand up and call the push ups out to everybody else. So I wasn't doing them, but everybody else had to do more. And you can imagine that uh, that self-motivation uh, definitely worked in that, uh, that case. So uh, I didn't do that again.
0: <laughs> you're listening to After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators from November 17th, 2020, presented by AMRO Music. When you purchase your classroom supplies, books and accessories from AMRO, you're joining over 500 schools in seven states who partner with us to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians and you're also supporting this podcast. Our director's services department can help you have your best year yet. Just email seth at amromusic.com or alan at amromusic.com. Now back to Nick Averwater and Dr. Brandon Robinson and their conversation about developing student leaders in your music program.
1: I love the creating um, a robust leadership program in terms of the, the responsibilities and the titles. Because I think there's a couple of great opportunities. Number one is you can put leaders in roles where you're particularly weak. And so if, if, if classroom organization is not one of your strengths, find some student leaders who that is a strength and you can bring them in and you can incorporate that, whether it's your section leaders. Uh, number two is, is, is we've seen some programs do some really creative things with their titles. You mentioned a mentorship program. We've seen people that being a mentor to the younger band students or the younger orchestra students is a really big deal, and it's very competitive and very challenging in their program to go on to become a mentor. And so I think that's a great way to do that. And I think you can do it with your parents, too, incorporating the help of your parents. Hey, If you've got an accountant who happens to be a band parent, well, there's your booster treasurer right there, you know, so you're aligning those strengths of the people that you have involved in your program to round out the strengths that you bring to the table through your positions and your responsibilities. So I I got a question here from Ben Martin. He's he's somebody joining us and it's a great question. Hey Ben, I'm glad you're joining us today. So some positions are, are probably more glamorous than other positions. You know, everybody wants to be the drum major and standing in front of the band and leading the parade. Some of the positions like maybe uniform manager, uniform captain, those require a little bit more salesmanship on behalf of the director. How, how did you go about handling that to ensure that all of the positions were done, and and to make that uh, that position part of the leadership culture and part of the structure valued in your program?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question, Ben. Uh, some of the things that I've done in the past is I, I've tried to customize the positions based on our needs. So. When I was at one school, it may be a little bit different than at a different school and so on. But um, I put, (coughs) excuse me, I put a, a leadership packet together of expectations so they knew what each position was and then what it was that was expected from them. So they knew exactly what was needed on the front end. Now, one of the best leaders I've ever had when I was at Marion was my percussion section leader, all-state percussionist, great kid, uh, killer player, but he never talked, like ever. And he was one of the best leaders that I ever had as being the section leader for that group. And I remember when I, when I approached him about it, he was like, uh, you know, I think somebody would be better because they're more vocal. And I said, I, I, I think you misunderstand the most important part of being a leader. And it's not the person that talks the loudest, it's the person that you will follow and gets the most out of you. So my definition of leadership is the ability and desire to get the most out of the people around you. And that student could do that by by his playing. And um, it wasn't, now when he did speak, they listened because it wasn't very often but it was a great example of, he knew his part, he knew all the bass drum parts, split parts, he knew the tenor parts, he could do everything. And he was able to really lead from a musician standpoint as opposed to a vocal. Now, somebody that's maybe more vocal, they may be better suited for a different position. Um, Specifically kind of what you're talking about, there are some positions that are a little less quote unquote glamorous, like they may not be on the podium or be visible. Well, To me, I think every, and this is one of the things that I really tried to to instill in my, especially drum majors, but in all my student leaders, that everybody's equal. Everybody is equal. Now, everybody may have a different set of responsibilities, but every piece of the puzzle is important. And if we don't have everybody doing their share, then our program doesn't work. It's, it's, we're not going to get the most out of it. Uh, now, what I would do for those students who were like our uniform captains and like our equipment uh, captain, they were in charge of getting the instruments on the truck, off the truck, lined up, all the extra instruments, the extra equipment that we would bring to all the performances. That's a huge job. That, that in some cases, you, I mean, when you think about the amount of money that's involved, Maybe the most important job, you know, because the safety and making sure we got all that stuff. Well, occasionally I'd take them out to dinner or if they were going to be loading the truck at one, I'd get them out at 11 and we'd go to lunch down the road and I'd buy pizza or McDonald's or I'd get them to come to the band I'd have pizza delivered. You know, I would give them a few little perks like that um, just to let them know how much I appreciated what they did. And obviously, you know, you're not going into positions like that for the notoriety Uh, and that's one of the things that you kind of have to instill in your students that being a leader in our band program doesn't mean your name is in lights or you're the most important person it's about the togetherness it's about the group and how each person can give what they can that'll benefit the you know benefit the whole and and so you know explaining that and making sure they understand that and then making sure as the as the you know the director of bands or the band director that you let them know how much you appreciate them. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean through a pizza. It could be through an email or a thank you or a whatever. But, um, and I think that goes with all the positions, you know, I, I would also have my students do personalized thanks within the band program
1: too. I, I think that, that's what you're talking about is so important, both the, the, the thanks and understanding the why and, and recognizing people Because regardless of where we are as leaders of our program or of our business, there are always positions that go unnoticed when things go right, but everybody notices when things go wrong. So I know here, like here at Amro, a great example is the gentleman who works on our dock. We can ship 75 packages in a day. And if all of them go to the exact spot they're supposed to go, nobody notices. Yep. But if he ships 74 to the right spot and one of them to the wrong spot, I get a phone call. And so I think as leaders, we have to be very in tune to that so we can go down and check in with those people and say, hey, look, you're in one of these positions where no news is good news, but I need you to know that your work is not unappreciated. And let me take you to lunch and let me say thank you for doing what you're doing. And I think what you're also doing is clarifying the why. And let me tell you why it's important that, that you do your job well, because when it doesn't, things get out of whack. And, and although you're under the radar, you're an important part of the team here in our program or in our company or in our business. And what you do is, is important and valued. And as leaders, that that's hard for us, but we have to take the time to do that. So I love that. Taking people to lunch and appreciating, clarifying the why, um, because when they understand why their position is important, they'll probably do a much better job at it.
2: Absolutely. That's yeah, great. I completely agree. Yeah. And then you you talk about the why a lot. I, I'm assuming you're referring to the is it Cynic book. The
1: I, I have read Simon Cynic's <laughs> book, Start with Why, and it happens to be one of my all time favorites. So
2: I, it, it, mine too. I did a keynote at a at a, at a conference once, and uh, I I did the, the the keynote kind of based around that. And I gave uh, I had somebody draw out a name, and I gave him my copy of the book, and it's. It, For for those of you out there, music educators, it is well, educators, leaders, any any any, really any business. It's a great read, and you can you can uh, you, you can you know put it toward any kind of business that you're in, and it's it's it really helps you understand. The why and what you do, and and it, it helps you be able to explain that to the people that you're around to get the most out of them. Yeah, because yeah, obviously absolutely. we're motivated. You know, we 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 are in our positions, but for, for a reason. Our, our job is to get everybody around us as excited, and as motivated, and and on board as is what we are. And I, and yeah. I think that, that that's a great book.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It, it was one that one in the twenty-one Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by by John Maxwell are probably two of the more influential books I, th- I think I've read over. Yeah,
2: you know, I've over read time. a lot of his stuff. I've got all yeah. probably eight or nine of his books. Yeah, Maxwell They're, stuff they're
1: really good. Okay, so let's let's talk about some of the the hows. And, and we talked a little bit about that, and you know, we've talked about you know de- developing uh, or, or putting out some of the positions. What are some of the other hows? and the what's that, that directors can do if either they're just starting out their career and they're wanting to get this going, or maybe they're thinking, Hey, I haven't focused on this in the past and I want to reinvigorate my leadership program in my, in my, my, my band or my orchestra. What does that look like?
2: Sure. Uh, I do a number of, of leadership workshops, uh, usually at the beginning, uh, sometimes at the, uh, in May, but, but usually it's right before Marching season starts. It's kind of when everybody's getting. They bring in their leaders ahead of time. Usually, what I would do is I would do a leadership workshop with my students ahead of time uh, for my for my high school. Well, really, it's about the same with with even when I was at Wake Forest, we would do we would do a leadership retreat, and we would take our students to a cabin uh, in the mountains where they had no outside distractions, and we could really focus on. Our band, our program, and set the goals and do the things that we need to to, you know, get the most out of out of our semester or year. And so I would, we would sometimes bring in guests to speak. We would do goal uh, sessions where it would be we we'd set large group goals. We would set section goals, some more uh, chamber type goals, and then we would set individual goals. What do you want? the individual to look like that's coming in as a freshman or coming in as a new person into the band program. What do you want them to look like? What, what is their goal? So that way when they step foot inside that banner for the first time, whether it be a college group or a high school group, or even a beginning band student, you can say, this is what we're looking for. These are the attributes that we want. This is, this is what's important to us. And it wasn't something that I said, you know, do, It was something that as a leadership team, we came up with what was important to us. So, and from year to year, those things varied. You know, one year we maybe were really strong in one aspect. And then the next year, it may be completely different. Well, your goals and and vision may change a little bit. So it's almost like establishing a vision statement for those specific type, you know, uh, groups, uh, so you know, I, I, I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. For for, I've also done uh, some things where I brought in a number of schools, like a uh, Patrick Matarazzo out of Lone Oak uh, has me come in, and he brings in a, a handful of schools, especially schools that that um, either have new directors or don't have a leadership program and that kind of thing, so we can really help. Jumpstart their ideas and give them some real specifics on how to, you know, get started. I think inviting somebody in that has some experience, whether it be a veteran teacher or somebody like me or you or Scott or you know somebody that 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 is a professional in that area that can help kind of mold your 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 team. Uh, I think is vital, and you know. We all, especially young teachers, have veteran teachers that have motivated us or have given us specific ideas. Well, pick up the phone. Talk to them. Call them. Find out what, what you need to do to, um, you know, I mean, I, I thought, you know, Steve, Steve Warner, when, when, when he was at the top of his profession, it was our bands were competing against his. Do you think he wouldn't answer my phone call? No, he – Pick up the phone every time and told me the secret to everything. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't do it as good as what they were doing it, <laughs> which is like maybe the key, but, you know, it was the, the sharing that knowledge with, 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 there's plenty of people out there you can mentor. Brady Massey, like I said, was mine. And you guys, I'm sure have a, uh, out there, have a ton of people you could pick up the phone and call. Uh, but, but find, find people that, that have experienced band programs, that have good leadership teams And get started. And I I certainly would be more than willing to help facilitate, you know, an initial meeting, you know, getting started with the with the leadership program. Uh, I did a bunch of those this past summer and and continue to do a bunch uh, every year. So um, don't be afraid to ask for help.
1: Well, you just touched on about four here that I want to go back. So so we talked about hosting a leadership camp, clarifying expectations, having your student leaders spend some time together. You talked about cross-training with student leaders, getting student leaders from other programs together and having them spend time together to maybe jumpstart your own leadership initiatives. Talked about bringing an outside leadership speaker, somebody that can come in and bring a different perspective to your program and help those conversations go on. You know, sometimes we hear about, well, they just need to hear it from, you know, somebody that's not their director. Right. Um, And so you could talk about doing a director exchange where, you know, you come work my band, I'll go work your band and we'll talk to each other's student leaders. And then you talked about you yourself as a director, finding a mentor, somebody that can help you in developing your student leaders. I mean, those are four key cornerstones right there, I think, for developing student leaders in your program and bringing some, it comes back to this word, some intentionality. We're being intentional about this component of our program. And so I, I think those are really great, great examples that you,
2: you know, I, I want to mention one more thing. You know, you talked about um, taking, you know, g- combining leaders and, 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 and giving ideas, things like that. I felt like uh, my band at Marion needed to play more musically. I felt like technically we were pretty good, but I felt like there were some musical aspects that, that, I was not able to get out of them. Well, one of the ba- another great band director in our area is Peggy Jeffries at Nettleton. Well, I said, all right, Peggy, instead of bringing you to come work my band, I'm putting every one of my kids on a bus. We're coming to your band room. They're going to all sit around your band. I want you to rehearse, and then I, I can rehearse your group. And then my band sat down, and we did the same thing. So our students got a chance to hear firsthand what another group was doing, and how the interaction and it, that was a game changer for us.
0: Um,
2: mm. That was actually another game changer was when she came to work our band and, sh, and the tornado sirens went off and we were stuck in the gym for an extra hour and a half. And we got Peggy for like two and a half hours. That was awesome. Um, that was I, not I, on purpose, by the way, I had nothing to do with that. That was just luck, but uh She's fantastic. And, you know, find somebody that you truly respect. And like, like, for example, I found what I felt like one of our weaknesses was. And I said, let's go. I want you guys to experience this. And it really helped us a ton.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that's that's such good insight. And, um, and I have yet to meet an experienced educator not willing and just to bend over backwards to give back to the next generation of music educators. Right. Every person I've met is so eager to do that. And I think that's so fabulous. So again, finding that counsel for you, it was Peggy and it was Steve, uh, you know, and it was just all of these wonderful people. But um, and, and if you're in our area, if you're in the Mid-South and you're a young director looking for that counsel, please contact one of us at Amro Music. Let our ed reps help you get in touch with all of the, the Steve Warners and the George Bukorskis of the world and the people who are just incredible mentors and they're interested in giving back. And, and of course, the college teachers, you know, the, the Dr. Robinsons and the Dr. Labovitz and everybody in Northeast Arkansas. Of course, they're spread, you know, Julie Hill at UT Martin and all of these people that uh, Albert at, at U of M and David Wilson at Ole Miss and K at Mississippi state. And just so many incredible people that want to keep uh, seeing uh, music education be vibrant in their schools. So another great resource is your college professor back where you were, you know, where Absolutely. you saw it. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So we've got just a few minutes. I want to transition. I want to spend a little bit of time. We're in the middle. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it, uh, this COVID thing. It's a little bit of a pandemic going on right now. And so that creates some challenges. It's hard for us to get a lot of people in a room. It's hard for us to invite the Peggy Jeffries of the world to come and work our band and to host elections. How can we still continue to intentionally develop leaders while facing the challenges that COVID is bringing our programs right now?
2: I, I think that's a great question. And, you know, we can't change our situation but what we can do is make the most of it and make sure that we don't allow our situation to dictate to what's going to happen. You know, uh, yes, I have not been able to be in person with my students this semester. I don't like it. They don't like it. I can't change that. But what I can do is try to give them the best possible experience that I can as a teacher. So what I've tried to do is use the fact that we're on zoom every day to our advantage it did give me the opportunity to bring in some guests that I probably wouldn't be able to bring in. I've had, uh, uh, I've had Tim uh, Oliver at ASU talk to my conducting class. That was a, I felt like I was getting a master's in conducting all over again. That was a fantastic lecture. Um, Ken Carroll did a great history of jazz lecture with my jazz band. For any of you out there that have jazz programs, uh, you need to invite Ken in to talk to your students, high school students. What a great lecture that was! Um, I've had Danny Mesa with my conducting class all semester long. Sergeant Mesa is uh, taught at the the Army School of Music, was in Hawaii, and now he's in El Paso, and he's he does these one minute conducting videos, which are great. Because uh, our attention spans, well, I won't say our, my attention span is about a minute long. So it's like you take that little nugget of information and you can really focus in on it. Uh, And and, uh, we had, uh, you know, a a ton of other guests come in uh, specialties in in all the different areas that, that were able to share with my students that I probably would not have had that opportunity to do. Um, As far as, giving your students an opportunity. Zoom has a great feature with these breakout rooms and allowing, you know, meeting as a group, Maybe emailing out a lesson plan ahead of time and saying, "Okay, this is what we're going to do when we go to the breakout rooms. This person is in charge. This is person is in charge." And like when I, when I would break, even with my students at the W, when we would with our ensembles, with our when ensemble and our jazz ensemble, when we would break into breakout rooms, I would have a different person in charge each time to kind of focus on a very specific task uh, because you know they they may not they may not be you know the, the 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 master's degree level player that my the chair of our math department who plays oboe uh, in our ensemble is, but they're trained to be a teacher, and I want to give them that experience, so when they get out, they're going to feel uh, more um, hopefully excited and you know, maybe less nervous. I had I, my one of my students, uh, current students, Michelle. Uh, she did not want to get up and conduct our wind ensemble this past spring. And I just told her, you don't have a choice. You're going to do this. I even kind of let her pick the piece and, and, and I walked her through it and sorry, Michelle. And she, you could kind of see every rehearsal, she would get better and better and her confidence grew. And, you know, I've gotten some great feedback from her with student teaching and she feels much better prepared. And I think, giving her that opportunity helped. And I think giving our students an opportunity through the Zoom, uh, doing projects on acapella or uh, putting like uh, in my, I had for our final project in our methods class, I had two of our students put a project together, had them get together. They had to completely write it up, video it and, and, and do everything. So that forced them outside of our class time they had to use their leadership skills and, and each bring some of that stuff together. So I, I think we just try to continue to provide our students opportunities to lead and Excel and get the most out of their experiences and not use anything as an excuse. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not great, but we need to look, find you, we can find the positive uh, in everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that mindset because you know, the the why remains unchanged. You know, COVID hasn't changed the why. We still need right. well-rounded people right, ready to contribute in society. And music provides that opportunity. But what we do hasn't really changed. Uh, you know, we, we still need to provide leadership opportunities to create well-rounded people. How we do that is what's changed. And exactly. so I, I, I love that you kind of approach that. Hey, you know, I'm going to bring in all of these People to come in and provide a, a second opportunity to have these uh, opinions and these thoughts in my program. So, how I do it has changed, but the what and the why has remained unchanged through all of this stuff. So, I, I right. think that's a great way to approach COVID uh, in general, but particularly the, de- the development of our student leaders uh, and everything. So, uh, well, uh, Dr. Robinson, uh, thank you so much. I mean, this has just been a, a wonderful conversation. Um, it's, it's always good to see you and, and just to sit around Enjoyed and talk, shop a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Uh,
1: Before we close out, I'll ask you the same thing I ask everybody that joins us. Do you have any just closing thoughts or final advice that you would like to share with our listeners this evening?
2: Absolutely. Um, From a leadership standpoint, you guys probably already do more than you realize. Um, you, You may not have a leadership program established or you, you you may not have a ton of experience with that, but I guarantee you you're, you're providing your students more opportunities than you realize. I would encourage you to really try to put some things down on paper and look beyond teaching the music to get more out of your students. And in turn, what you're going to find out is those students are going to give you back so much more in return to the program, and it's going to be able to, Uh, You know, heighten your expectations as a teacher, their expectations as a student, and you'll find that that things will just continue to to grow and grow and get better.
1: Yeah, I, 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 that's such good, good insight. So I appreciate that. Um, well, for the people listening, you know, Suzanne and Dylan, we've got some people who are asking some some really specific questions here. And so uh, we've got just another minute. So I'm going to jump us over to Suzanne. It's okay if we just sure. go over a minute or, or two over, but we've got some great questions. And so I don't want to turn my nose at these. So one of the questions that Suzanne is asking is, is how do you go about developing and choosing student leaders with Younger students. You know, sometimes those younger students have kind of that goofy or that, you know, laissez faire, not really caring about this content right now mentality. Did you find any uh, magic pixie dust when it came to working (laughs) with those younger students?
2: Well, I will say it takes a special person to teach young students, and clearly I'm not a special person. However, uh, I think what I always tried to do. Especially with the younger side, with middle school, junior high, rather than labeling, you're going to do this, this, this. I would try to uh, have opportunities for the students to get up and do things. Whether it be lead the band and warm up, or okay, we're going to play through the march this time. Uh, all the flutes stand up, get in a line. You guys are going to conduct the band through the march. We don't know how to conduct. Sure, you do. Just keep the beat, you know, get and let them see and, and see what they can do. And then maybe even get the band to give some feedback, you know. What did you think? What was good, you know, and and you know, you always want to be careful. Make sure you you know always say a good thing, you know, before you say a thing you need to work on, you know, make sure you train them, you know, to to be positive. Uh, but, you know, providing opportunities, it's just like with the beginning students. You know, I would have a different student run an exercise or I would have uh an individual play and then the group play, or I would pick a student out and I'd say, okay, you're going to be my model today. So every time I, instead of me modeling, I'm not talking about my beautiful face. I'm talking about on my instrument. I would have that student. Okay. This is how I really want the tone to be in this section, warm, dark. All right. Would you play this section and really focus on tone? And you know, obviously you want to make sure that you're picking a student that you know, feels comfortable like that. But sometimes it's good to, to have a student that maybe is a little shyer and doesn't feel as comfortable, and it will help get them out of their shell a little bit. You know, just just providing some opportunities. And then as, they, as you kind of see and give them those opportunities, you'll see the ones that really like it and really start kind of asking questions about, okay, what I really like this. What are some positions, you know, that I can, even, I, I would always have my high school leadership team come down and talk to the middle school about high school band and, and, and what they, what their contributions were. So that way everybody kind of knew what was going on and, and what, what was expected as they moved up, not just within the band program, but within those leadership positions too. But I would That's just nice. say, give, give give them chances, give them opportunities to do stuff.
1: That's great. So okay, what I'm hearing is, is that as you were working with younger students, You became less position driven and really almost less objective driven and more characteristic driven. Let me kind of give them the opportunity on a rotating basis to explore and develop some of these characteristics of a leader so that by the time they get to the high school band, they're prepared to take on. The responsibilities, they've developed the leadership characteristics and they're now prepared to take on the responsibilities of a leader.
2: So, I would, yes, that's exactly right. I would take the, the three or four top things I would do you know, communication. Um, you know, I, I would pick the, the things that were most important to me and, and, and our program and I would focus on putting them in positions to see what they could do with those. Uh, In some cases, it was I want you to teach the lesson. You're teaching line 50 today. You know, uh, students have great ideas. You know, sometimes we just get in the way. You know, we just need to get out of the way and let them do their thing. And you you never know
1: what they can do. That's right. You might find yourself thinking, why didn't I teach it like that? Why didn't I teach it like that? That's happened to me more than once. Yeah. Well, we're approaching the 60 minute mark. We've got a great question here from Dylan. He's asking about leading cultural change. And I think we could come back and do an entire podcast on leading change and changing the culture of an organization. So Dylan, I'm going to refer you to one of my favorite resources. There's a great podcast out there by a gentleman by the name of Andy Stanley. He's a preacher at one of the mega churches, but he does incredible podcasts on leadership. And he's got an entire four part series in his podcast called leading culture and leading change in your organization. And I would encourage you to go check those out. He really does a great job breaking it down into the steps necessary to lead change in your organization, because that is a heavy topic. And again, we could sit here and uh, have all of the beers in the world or all the podcasts in the world talking (laughs) about leading change and everything that goes along. So Dylan, check out Andy Stanley's podcast on leading change, because I suspect it'll give you some great thoughts and some great resources as you tackle what's going on there in your particular program. So, well, that's all the time we have. We're at the 60 minute mark. Dr. Robinson, Brandon, it is so good to see you. Thanks for being on here tonight and sharing some of your insights, my friend.
2: Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. And I I wanted to mention if, uh, if anybody does have further questions, I'm happy to Uh, answer those or if you need to shoot some ideas or just get a brainstorming session, I'm more than welcome to do a Zoom with you as as, as well. So uh, you can Perfect. reach out to me, email or or, or cell phone. Do, do you have my contact information? Or do yeah, you we'll that or? we'll
1: post all of that on our website okay. with the resources. Great. So we'll put your contact information. So any of our listeners that are thinking about contacting Brandon or want to reach out, have some follow up questions. We'll put his phone number. We'll put his email address. So you can have those those conversations. And what a great resource. Great. And Brandon to continue these conversations on. So, so again, everybody joining us tonight, thank you so much. As a reminder, you can find the resources from today's conversation and all of our previous conversations online at amrammusic.com backslash after hours our next episode our live podcast recording is going to be december 8th with mr scott lang on the state of music education right now it should be a wonderful conversation so for everyone joining us tonight thank you so much stay safe wash your hands wear a mask have a wonderful evening and we look forward to seeing you on december 8th good night everyone
0: you've been listening to after hours conversations for music educators presented by amro music this podcast features conversations with music educators who are finding innovative ways to teach their students. You can hear and see more conversations at slash after hours.
1: Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours Show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators, just like you, can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.